Well, good morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. How you doing, 1030? Look at y'all. It's a holiday weekend and you came to church. I am God. You are God's favorite. I'm just telling you right now. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. You are going to be so grateful that you decided to carve out time today to explore and experience and grow in your relationship with God. And I couldn't be more excited. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And we have been in a teaching series called Forgotten God. We've been looking at it, exploring what it means to lean into, to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. It's been an awesome teaching series. And so if you've missed any of it, you can go back and catch up online if you want. Uh, But it has been so cool to see how God is growing and moving our church as we trust the power and presence of the Holy Spirit more. And we're going to do something before we get into our message today. Today, we're going to look at a big thing as we conclude out uh, this teaching series. But before we get to that, I I want to just take a moment for us to respond to God. And in a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to give back to God. Now, this is a big deal to us. This isn't like a little detail, a little thing we got to get through in the order of service. This is an incredibly spiritual act for us. This is all about you trusting God. And I was thinking about this weekend and our time together and what this is really all about. And I thought about when we give to God, why is it that we give? Why do we do that? Why do folks make that a part of their spiritual life? And it's simply because of this. When you love someone, you give of yourself for that person. True? When you love, okay, so like those of you who are parents, you love your kids, I hope, right? Yes, you do. You love your kids. And you know, as a parent, you've been giving from day one. And you don't give to get back, you give because you love. And for those of you who are in a dating relationship, maybe you're dating or married, you don't have kids, uh, you know that if you made it all about you and all that you could get out of that person, that relationship is not going to go well. It is, you're going to have trouble. You know that part of what makes that relationship work is you giving of yourself. You give of yourself. That's what love does. Love gives of itself. And that's why we take time every time we're together to give of God, because it's a way of saying, God, I love you. God, I believe that you are at work in my life. I believe that every good and perfect thing in my life is actually a gift from you that you've given to me. So because I love you, God, and your love is so obvious and evident to me, I give back. Does that make sense? That's why we do it. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of like religious duty. It's out of love and joy. And so in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for you to give. And there's three ways you can do it. You can give old school in the buckets. You can put whatever you want to give that way, however God leads. That's awesome. Some people really like doing it that way. You can also text in to give, which is amazing. I'd encourage you, if you haven't ever given before, this is a great way to get started. Just text in right now, and that'll kind of jumpstart you in your giving, whatever God leads you to give. Or you can give online. This is how Jeannie and I do it, uh, how so many folks in our church do it. It is a way for us to be consistent and regular in our response of love as we give back to a God who's held nothing back from us. So I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward right now so that you can have an opportunity to give to God. And I want to mark just the significance of this weekend as they do and as you do. Uh, We are in really the middle uh, of two very important, totally made up holidays. Uh, We are right now smack dab in the middle between Mother's Day and Father's Day. And God in his infinite wisdom, kindness, and goodness knew which order to put those two things in. (laughs) Because had Father's Day been first, a lot of dads, a lot of uh, husbands would be really shown up by their wives, and then they would have to try and outdo that for Mother's Day. And 
would most likely fail miserably. And so, and so we have Mother's Day first and we have Father's Day first. And in our family, we, we you know, make a big deal of birthdays and that kind of stuff, but we don't make it easy for each other. We don't make it easy for each other on Mother's Day and Father's Day. I just a quick question, quick pause. We're right in the middle here. How many of you feel like you killed it on Mother's Day? You just got a great gift. All right, raise your hands proud. Look at you, look at you. Awesome. Talk to these folks afterwards because Father's Day is coming up in two weeks. And we don't make it easy in our family. We'll say, I'll say to Jeannie, because I want to be really clear. I want to, hey, I want to express my love to you. How can I do that? She'll ask me the same question. And you know what we always do? Oh, don't worry. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything for me. It's, it's okay. That's, you don't have to do. Meanwhile, there's an Amazon list that I've made, a wish list of all the things I want. I'm not unclear that there are some things that I would love, but we make it hard for each other. And you ever have anyone like that in your life that you, they just make it hard for you to get them a gift, to show them that kind of love. Maybe you are that person to someone else sitting next to you right now. Uh, This, all of us have those people in our lives. So as we're closing out this Forgotten God teaching series, I want you to think about this one. I want you to think about when it comes to, to God, what do you give God? Like, what do you get for God? I mean, it's not like we have God's day, I guess, you know, every day is God's day. What do you, what do you get for God? And this is the God who has everything, right? This is the God who created everything. God has everything. What can you possibly give to God. Or another way of thinking of this uh, is this, what does God most want from me? What do you think that is? What do you think God most wants from you? A lot of people answer that question a lot of different ways. Some people think, oh, well, God wants uh, less of me. And what I mean by that is God wants me to swear less. God wants me to drink less. God wants me to you know, watch less TV. God wants me, you know, we have all our lists of lesses, right? Some people, it's more. Oh, God wants me to do more. God wants me to go to church more. God wants me to pray more. God wants me to learn more verses, read my Bible more. God wants me to give more. And so we have kind of our things that we think that God wants. But really, the answer to that question is incredibly simple, and it's quite clear, and it's completely consistent all throughout the Bible, what it is that God most wants from you. And as we finish out this teaching series on the Holy Spirit, one of the most powerful things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit helps you Give God exactly what God wants. That's part of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, helping you give God what God most wants from you. And in the process of you giving that to God, here's the crazy thing. You end up getting what you most desire and long for. I want to show you what that looks like. Grab a Bible, if you would, and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Now, if you have a Bible with you, awesome. That's fantastic. Have it on your phone. That's great. Maybe you take notes that way. But if not, there should be a Soul City Bible right under your seat. You can go ahead and grab that, and you can actually turn to page 890 in the Soul City Bible. That will get you to Acts chapter 8. So we're going to look at what it is that God most wants and how the Holy Spirit helps you do just that. Acts chapter 8. Let me give you some quick context. This is not long after uh, Jesus had died on the cross for our sins, made a way for us to have a relationship with God, was raised by God from the dead, and the church had just recently begun. In fact, the church was beginning to explode around that, the known parts of the world at that point where the church started, began to grow and grow and grow and spread and spread and spread. And one of the leaders in the very first church wave, that first church movement, was a leader named Philip. And Philip loved talking to people about God's outrageous gift of grace and what he had done through his son, Jesus. And so that's where the story picks up is with Philip. Let's jump down to verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says this. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. All right, so pause here. A lot happening in just this one verse. 
And I just want to point out, you see in the first couple words there, a good rule of thumb. If an angel ever speaks to you, now you might want to jot this down. If an angel ever speaks to you, do what the angel says. This is just a good rule of thumb, right? So if that happens to you later on today, an angel speaks to you, might, like if an angel says, hey, uh, get in the Eisenhower, head west. Just get on the Eisenhower. And head, but Lord, what about tolls? Don't worry about that. Get on the Eisenhower, head west. And so an angel appears to Philip and says, hey, I want you to get on the road. You know, the one that goes south, you know, from Jerusalem down to Gaza. Just get on that road and get going. Philip receives a prompting right here from an angel, from the spirit. It's not quite sure from the language here that there was this physical manifestation. He heard clearly that he was to go. And so he responded and he gives us really our first glimpse of what it is that most, that God most wants. Let's look at verse 27. Verse 27 says this, so he started out. Let's pause right there. So he started out. See, I think this is actually incredibly profound and important. Philip had received this prompting, this nudge, get on the road, just start heading south. That's all he got. Didn't get anything more than that. Get on the road, start heading south. So he started out. I think so often our nudges that we receive from God, our little promptings that maybe you receive from God, a little bit of the picture of what's next from God. I think we have oftentimes great desire, great intention, but so often what we end up doing is hemming and hawing. We end up getting other second opinions, third opinions. We want to get other people to speak into it, and we miss what God is leading us to. Rather than just starting out, just get going with what you know today. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you can get started in whatever direction God has been leading you through his Holy Spirit. So he started out. He just started going on his way and met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which is the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And verse 28 says, on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, you have to be wondering if you're Philip, an angel, spirit prompted you and said, get on the road, head south. If you're Philip, you have to be wondering, is this why? Is this, is this what I'm, I've just been walking here? And is this what you want me to pay attention to? This person was, do you want me to talk to them? What, you know, you can imagine Philip is not quite sure. Of, is this why he's supposed to be here? Now, we know a little bit about this Ethiopian uh, leader. We do know that he obviously being from Ethiopia means he was from far away from Jerusalem, had traveled a great distance to come to Jerusalem. We know that he is an official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. This guy is a big deal. So we know he's from a faraway place, has a high position of power and influence. And it also says that he is a eunuch, which means uh, that we're just not going to talk about that right now. We'll just say that he was uh, committed. So the text uh, really wants us to pay attention that you have these two characters kind of converging on this road from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And this Ethiopian leader is reading the book of Isaiah, which just by the way, not common. Typically in that culture, in that day, you know, you have like a Bible right in front of you with multiple hundreds of Bibles in this room. Everyone's got one available to them on their phone, but not so in these days. In fact, oftentimes the texts were really only held in the synagogue, held by priests and taught to others orally. And so to have a copy of the book of Isaiah was a big deal. Clearly he's a person of great means and great curiosity. We don't know what his spiritual story is at this point. We're about to. 
But here he is studying Isaiah, and he's confused. And if you've ever read the book of Isaiah, you understand why. There's a lot of prophecy and a lot of stuff happening in real time, but then also in future tense, where Isaiah is talking about the coming of the Messiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus, he was talking about the coming of the Messiah. Well, Jesus had come at this point. And so he's reading this and trying to make sense of all that was going on. Verse 29, then it says this, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, here's another nudge, a prompting from the spirit. And I love how incredibly specific and vague it is at the same time. Go to that chariot, that specific, and then just be around it. You know, this is like Holy Spirit sanctioned stalking. Just kind of get up and around in his business, but don't like get too close, but get close enough that he can see you, but not too close to kind of look weird. Just don't look weird, Philip. Get close, but don't look weird is basically what the Holy Spirit is telling him. And this is so often how these kinds of prompts and nudges from the Holy Spirit actually go. Rarely, rarely do you get the whole picture. And so often that's what we want. Oh, I just don't know what God wants next for me. I don't know what this next season is supposed to be about in my life. You are not alone. Rarely do we ever get the whole picture. Often what we get is just the next step. First step, get on the road. Okay, Philip's on the road. So he started out. Next step, go up to that chariot. Get close. Don't be weird. And so look at what he does. I love this. Verse 30. Then Philip what? Then Philip ran up, clearly did not get the memo about not being weird. He runs up to this chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he just interjects himself into the conversation. He says, do you understand what you are reading? Does this make sense to you? I love that he just starts a spiritual conversation. Hey, I noticed that you're reading the prophet Isaiah. Does it make sense to you? Does this connect with you? And I love, I love, I love, I love, I love the intensity of Philip's response. Again, it's not, he doesn't overcomplicate. He's not hemming and hawing and weighing all of his options. He just runs. He gets to the next step and he runs to it. And then he starts the spiritual conversation. Verse 31, the Ethiopian leader responds and says, how can I? How can I possibly understand all of this unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip, a stranger at this point, to come up and sit with him. So Philip goes up to him and uh, hops up in the chariot and begins to explain what Isaiah was talking about hundreds and hundreds of years ago about the coming Christ who had at this point come and made a way for us to be in relationship with God. That all of the uh, book of Isaiah was pointing to this reconciliation work that God was doing through Jesus. Philip made himself available in that moment to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He saw what God was doing and he just hopped on board. And it reminds me of a quote that I read when I was 18 years old. I read this when I was 18. That was many years ago for me. And it's never, ever left me. And it comes from an author and writer, Henry Blackaby. And this is, if you are wondering what life with God is all about, if you're wondering what's next, if you feel uncertain or unclear in your life, lacking direction, this is what Henry Blackaby says. He says, find out where God is at work and join him there. How simple is that? If you don't know, find out where God's already at work. I would tell you, God's at work in this church. I would tell you, God's at work in the partners that we have in this city and all across the city, literally across the world. There are places where you don't have to guess and wonder that God is already at work. So your job is just to get there. 
to get on board. And that's what Philip does. He sees that something is happening. This guy is having a sort of a spiritual moment. And so Philip just gets on board with what God is already doing. Doesn't overcomplicate it, gets to work, and then God actually works through him. Let's keep moving on in the past. It says this, as they traveled along the road, so now the chariot's moving. Philip is now just in, he's just in it. Like this guy is his Uber. He's just going wherever this guy's going. They're on the road. They came to some water and the Ethiopian leader said, look, here's some water. Look right here. Here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized right here, right now? Look, Philip, remember how you were telling me about how Jesus was buried and then raised by God from the dead? Remember how you were telling me about how you've been baptizing people in the power and presence of the Spirit and you've been using water? Philip, here's water right here, right now. Why shouldn't I get baptized right here, right now? And he gave orders to stop the chariot right there. Then Philip and the Ethiopian leader went down into the water and Philip baptized him right then and there. You've got to love this. I think so often we overcomplicate spiritual things. So often we overcomplicate it. This is so simple. He heard about, he was trying to understand through the prophet Isaiah what was really going on. Philip says, well, here's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus, God's son. He sent him so that you could actually have life. His death and resurrection are your new life in him. And the guy goes, awesome, I want in. And he didn't say to Philip, hey, listen, you told me about baptism. I know that you said that you do that at your church. When is the next baptism service coming up? Maybe I can travel back and join you for that. Which one should I register for? The 830, the 1030, or the 1230? <laughs> should I bring my friends? What should I do? Didn't overcomplicate it. Well, Philip, I, you know, I was baptized as an infant, so maybe I probably I shouldn't do this. Or it's, you know, there's, I don't, don't want to mess this up. I don't want to like, what do you, I don't want to jinx my baptism. I, I don't want to do that. How do, doesn't overcomplicate it. Listen, if you want to overcomplicate things, then start being about the work of religion, because that's what religion does. It overcomplicates things. This is real simple. Baptism is Jesus, water, and witness. That's it. That's all that's here. He heard about Jesus and who Jesus was, what he'd done for him, saw some water just on the side of the road. Hey, there's some water. Look, right over there, a little pond right over there. Yeah, right there, right next to us. And there was a witness. All we know at this point is Philip was the only one there who really kind of knew what was going on. There's probably other people in his party, but he and Philip were the only ones having this conversation. So he had Jesus, water, and witness. We don't need to overcomplicate this stuff. And we don't know all, again, of his backstory, his spiritual backstory. We just know that in this moment, he said yes to Jesus. Yes to life, yes to baptism, right there in that moment. And imagine, 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 just for a second, imagine if Philip hadn't had said yes that morning. I don't know if we'd know the story. Imagine if when Philip got, you know, when the angel came and spoke to him, you remember the rule when an angel tells you to do something, just do it. What if Philip didn't? And when that prompting came, Philip said, oh, I would love to. But see, today I have small group actually coming up and we're like in this really great book. And so I can, is tomorrow cool? Like in my calendar, I've got some openings. Like on Thursday, I can head down the road that heads from Jerusalem to Gaza, but I can't do that today. Oh, my favorite show is on. Oh, Holy Spirit, I can't do that today. What if he had said no? I don't know if we would have this story, but because 
He was faithful. Philip was faithful. Someone came to faith that day. I guarantee you Philip did not wake up that morning going, I'm just going to get on a road and lead someone to Jesus today. It's not how it worked. He just said yes. And because of his yes, someone else was able to say yes to Jesus. Now, I want to close out with verse 39. I've taught this passage here before, but I've never taught verse 39. And I, because we've been in the teaching series about the Holy Spirit the last couple weeks, I just thought uh, we'd better teach verse 39. This is what it says. It says that when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Let me say that again. They came up out of the water, and Philip was just like, just gone right there in that moment. What? What is that even? Wait, what? How did that even, how did that even work? The Ethiopians come up, he's like, oh, thank you, Philip. Philip? Like, he's just gone. <laughs> gone in a moment. Now, I, I listen, I, I don't know exactly how it happened, whether he ran off like he ran up or if he was just teleported away by the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but here's what I know is we've been studying the Holy Spirit. Anything's possible. And so if I finish this sermon today and I'm gone, don't be surprised because we read about it here in the text. Now, I love this. I love this because what we see is two different characters, but we see the same thing played out in different ways. It's actually that thing that God most wants from you. It's that thing that God most wants for you. It's what he actually created you for. It's what he longs for, for your life. What is it, the thing that God, what is it that he most wants from you and for you? Here it is. God wants your yes and nothing less. That's what God most wants, your yes to him. He wants you to say yes to him more than anything else to say yes to him no more no less just will you say yes to God say yes to his gift of salvation say yes to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is giving you invitations to transformation say yes to the promptings and the nudges that you get like Philip got in this story say yes to baptism like we see the Ethiopian leader do in this story. Say yes to loving others the way that God loves them, specifically loving all the people that you don't like that God loves. Will you say yes? Will you say yes to letting go of the old habits and patterns that are actually keeping you from the life God longs for you to live? Will you say yes to the convictions that the Holy Spirit gives you? Will you say yes to the life that God actually created you to live? Because here's the deal. Here's what's so amazing. God will not force you or make you say yes. He's too good. He's too loving. He wouldn't do that to you. He longs for you to say yes, but he won't make you say yes. And in case you're wondering, he's already said yes to you. Jesus is God's yes to you. He already said it. He gave nothing less than his very best, his yes to you through his son, his death, and his resurrection are God's yes, his affirmation of you. And so the question for each of us to consider is, will we give God what he most 
wants, which is our yes. Will we let the Holy Spirit work within us to say that word to God in big ways, like we see here with the Ethiopian leader, in small ways, like little nudges or promptings that the Holy Spirit gives us? Will you, will I say yes to God in real time? And what we want to do today is give you an opportunity to, to see what that actually looks like, what it looks like when people say yes to the Holy Spirit, say yes to Jesus, and say yes to God in real time, in real and profound ways. Today, we are celebrating baptism. And we say it here, that's right, it is a celebration today. And we say it all the time here. You've heard us say it. We made t-shirts just to remind us that baptism is what transformation looks like in public. You hear us talk about transformation every week, how God wants to grow you into who he made you to be. You get a snapshot. In fact, you get the best sermon uh, anyone could ever give. You're going to see it today through the folks who get baptized. In fact, you, like Philip, like this Ethiopian leader, may have woken up this morning having no idea what God is going to do, but today is the day that you are going to get baptized. And I want to let you get a, a picture, a snapshot of what that really looks like, what it looks like to say yes to the Holy Spirit, to say yes to God's promptings and leading, to say yes ultimately to God. Through the life of a friend of mine who's a part of this church, uh, Travis, I want you to hear Travis's story for the next few moments. So go ahead and check this out. So I grew up in this incredible home, um, incredible Christian home. I was faithful and I was in the faith and whatnot, I guess if you will, f through high school and everything else. And then by the time I got to law school, I kind of had that period where I was really searching. You know, I, I knew I believed in God, but what that relationship looked like and how that manifested itself in my life really kind of just was up in the air. And I got out of law school and moved to the city and I had a relationship that I was engaged in and it didn't go well and that really was kind of a downturn in my faith. When that whole part of my life ended, it left me pretty hollow and I guess I just landed in a place where I was like, you know what, I invested all this time and energy and it was, it fell flat on its face so I'm just going to do life for me. And that's what I did for years, is I just lived for me, particularly with my faith. It was like, all right, God, you know, I did what I thought was all this right stuff, and here I am, broken. Uh, so I just was kind of in this place of like, well, you know what, what's the point? I'm going to do this for me, and that's where I was at for a long time. So I transferred into Bethel College in Indiana, and that's where I met Eric Carpenter, who is uh, a member of the church here, and his wife, Amanda Carpenter, who's on staff here. And uh, Eric and I met as athletes. He was a soccer athlete, I was a track athlete. And uh, we just kind of hit it off. So after years of knowing Eric and Amanda Carpenter, um, they were very invested in this church, and they were the ones that got me to come here. They saw something in this church that I would need and they were bold enough to say come come on in like be a part of this with us and I after declining I think once or twice I finally gave in and I came and um, and walked in and just instantly felt this sense of peace and just met all these incredible people and sat down at this service talking about vulnerability and I was in a season of being very closed off to people and to church um, 
And it was just like, okay, God, <laughs> like checkmate, good job. This service hit so hard home. I remember being in tears, like the Holy Spirit was just there that day. And it was the catalyst for a huge change that started to occur in my heart and in my life. And week after week, it was just God hammering things at me. I have to fight my stubbornness of like turning it all over and holding on to certain things that I'm not ready to give up. And one of them was baptism. So some time passed and uh, Amanda, a couple of weeks before baptism was like, hey, baptism Sunday's coming up. Like, just wanna let you know. And I was like, nope, no thanks. I felt like I had to be like perfect, on point Christian, like I'm good, you know, like thumbs up Jesus, we're ready to go. And I just, I'm, I wasn't. I was vehemently opposed to it that whole week leading up to it. Uh, I just didn't want to turn that over. I woke up that morning and I was driving in. Something was heavy, just heavy. And I didn't know what it was. And I got here and it just, that heaviness just, it just started like sinking right in, like something was building. I sat down for service and Hannah Ledley was sitting next to me. Jeannie starts listing off. I have all these excuses and these things that I think I'm not ready for. I'm not worthy of this and everything else. And Jeannie's just sitting up there and man, she's hammering point after point. And I am sitting here like, all right, well, I've got the next one. And then she knocked that point down. It's like, all right, well, I've got the next one. And she knocked that point down. And she, at one point, looked right at me. And I'm trying to grab anything that I could to not, to not just fully give in to this. I turned to Hannah and I said, hey, I, I'm gonna go. Like, she's like, you're, you're gonna go? I was like, yeah. I'm like, this is it, this is it. And I rounded the corner and here stands Jeannie. And she's like, I knew this. I knew today was it. And Sean's up there and Jeannie, yeah, I guess as Amanda was walking up, was like, hey, you need to be the one to do this. And so Amanda was the one to baptize me. I, I came out of that water and it was just really just washing away stubbornness and doubt and regret and frustration. And it literally is the most meaningful experience I've had in my adult life. My name's Travis and this is what transformation looks like in public. an awesome story of what a yes in real time looks like. That's all God wants is your yes to him, whatever that may look like. And I love that what Travis just shared in his story is what we saw this Ethiopian leader get to. Well, there's some water. What's keeping me from getting baptized today? And I got to tell you, it, that, I don't, who knows what that water was, where that water was. My hunch was it wasn't a heated tank of water that was perfectly prepared waiting for him. Probably wasn't a perfect moment. They were just on the side of the road, but he just knew. Now, this is the time to say yes, right now, to Jesus, to say yes to baptism. And I think so often we can get in our heads, and again, we can overcomplicate it, that, oh, I want to get baptized, but I just want it to be, I want it to be perfect. Like, I didn't come here thinking that I was going to, like, be underwater at any point this morning today. Like, I didn't come here thinking that. I, I think what Travis said is so profound. I think so often what we think is, I got to get my life together before I get up and get baptized. 
I, I, I got to get some things straightened out. I got to get some things worked out in my life before I do that. And do you know that that completely negates the message and the power and the picture of baptism? Because the whole point is that we, like Jesus, are buried and we're buried in our old life, all those old ways, and then we're brought into new life in him. That's what the symbol is. And so if you have it all figured out, well done. You don't need Jesus. None of us have it all figured out or all cleaned up. So that doesn't really cut it. Or maybe you thought, wow, man, this isn't like, if I were to do this, I would have like sent out an Evite or a little Insta story. I would have let, let people know. I just don't know if this doesn't feel like the perfect moment. And I just want to say this. We've said this to you before, but I just, I don't want you to miss this. Don't let the perfect moment postpone this present moment. Don't ever let like the way you have it all in your head trump the, the, the perfect present moment that you have right now. Does that make sense? Whatever that picture is in your head, I would encourage you, if God is prompting you, your yes comes in real time. A delayed yes is still a no. And our hope and our desire is that you would say yes to Jesus. And so if you said yes to Jesus, but for whatever reason have yet to be baptized, today's your day. Look, here's some water. What's stopping you from getting baptized today? Or maybe, maybe today's the day that you say yes to Jesus for the very first time. And on the day you say yes to him is the day that you get baptized. How powerful is that? Now, a couple words about this just before we get into our baptism celebration. A couple words. Um, I want to be really clear. The water is a metaphor. It's a picture. There's nothing holy or sacred about this water. We don't fly it in from Rome. The Pope didn't bless it. Like it's not, it's Lake Michigan water. And you've heard me say, you need to pray for the folks that are getting in this because we all know what's in Lake Michigan. So it's Lake Michigan water, it's just normal water. It's an image, it's a metaphor of being buried and raised into new life with Jesus. And maybe for you, you were baptized as an infant and you're wondering like, wait, does this, I don't, does this cancel that out? Like, I don't want to offend my parents because they did this thing when I was a baby. And here's the deal. That was a declaration of their intention for you to one day follow Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful intention that your parents had if you were baptized as an infant? They were saying, we want you to know God one day. This doesn't cancel that out. This is the completion of their intention. This is you saying, yeah, I did. I found him. I found life in him. I've chosen him. I've said yes to him. And so this doesn't negate that. This actually completes that. And I, maybe you're thinking, oh man, I don't, I didn't, I got, I'm wearing my like, you know, nice clothes, my church clothes. I don't know how that works. Here's the other thing. We've already taken care of all of that for you. Our amazing baptism team, all volunteer led, has thought of everything, literally everything. They have shorts, they have shirts, they have socks, they have underwear, they have hair products, they have everything. I went to the bathroom on Thursday down here on the second floor and I saw all the tables of all the hair products and all the combs and all the things. And I thought, we have an awesome church that these people thought of this and it's already set up, ready to roll so that no one would have to say no today. We've already thought of all of that. All you have to do is say yes. That's all you have to do today is say yes to what God is doing in this moment. Now, 
I want to say a word to those of you who have been baptized, those of you who would call yourself Christians. Maybe, in fact, you've been baptized like Travis. You were baptized right here at this church. Those of you who would say, yep, I'm in with Jesus, said yes to him, doing my best to say yes every day. Here's what I want you to say yes to right now. I want you to start praying for the folks that are going to say yes to Jesus today, okay? So those of y'all, all my Christians in the house, right? All the folks who've been baptized already, start praying right now. Bold prayers to the Holy Spirit, that people would open up their hearts and their lives and say yes to Jesus today, or say yes to baptism, or say yes again and come back home, like in Travis's story, to come back home to Jesus today. Will you start praying for a movement of the Holy Spirit right now in this place, believing in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to say yes to God in real time. So I'm going to pray, and when I'm done praying, I'm going to invite anyone who wants to get baptized today, anyone who just said yes to Jesus or maybe said yes before but hasn't been baptized, to go right out to the second floor lobby. All my balcony people, I see you. I love you. You love those seats up there. I'm glad you're here. You're invited too. Just because don't let like a set of stairs keep you from your yes today. Go right out the back doors and right down to the second floor lobby. Our team wants to meet with you. They're actually going to pray with you and they're going to get you ready to be baptized here in a couple minutes. Isn't that powerful? It's an amazing thing. So here's what I'm going to do. When I say amen, anyone who wants to get baptized today can do that. And I should say this. I want to say this. If you have a friend with you or some friends with you, grab them and take them with you. They're going to want to be with you. They don't have to get in the tank with you, but they're going to stand around and support you and pray for you. And they're going to be the first folks you hug when you get out of that tank. You're going to want to take them with you. And last thing, all my little disclaimers, last thing. Uh, If you are a couple who's dating or engaged or married and you've never been baptized or maybe one of you had, but you both haven't or you did it when you were kids, I want to let you know we are today only running a couple special. (laughs) We are. I'm serious. Last service, it was powerful to see. And we want to baptize you together. And it's a powerful moment for the the two of you to secure that this relationship, we are saying yes to Jesus in this relationship and in the rest of our lives. So if you are a couple, this is your opportunity. Does that make sense? Okay, everyone stand up. I want to pray for us. When I say amen, no pressure, no stress, none of that stuff. Just yes. Just yes. Don't Let anything hold you back. We've thought of everything we could think of. Look, here's some water. What's keeping you from being baptized today, from celebrating the transformation that God is doing in your life? So I'm going to pray. And I'm even going to give an invitation for people who've never said yes to Jesus before to say yes to Jesus today. Christians, keep praying. I'm going to pray right now. And if you want to say yes to Jesus, say yes to him right now. And when I say amen, I want everyone, everyone who wants to be baptized, balcony and this floor, to head right out to our second floor lobby. We want to baptize you today and mark this moment and celebrate what transformation looks like in public. So let's join right now together in prayer. Holy Spirit, you are on the move. We don't have to ask you to move. You're already moving. And so we want to join up with where you're already working. And so I want to pray right now for anyone who has yet to say yes to Jesus. I pray right now. This is the whole reason they came here this weekend. They didn't even know why they were going to church Memorial Day weekend. They may even be here from out of town. They are here divinely appointed for this moment right now to say yes to you. And so I pray in their own heart, in their own words right now, they would say yes to you, Jesus. They would confess the mess they've made of their life, that they cannot do it on their own. They would say it right now, Jesus, I confess I've made a mess of my life. And I want to say yes to you and what you've done for me and what you want to do in me and what you want to do through me. 
I want my life to be your life and your life to be my life, starting today, right now. And Jesus, we know that when anyone says yes to you, there is rejoicing throughout all of heaven and all of eternity. And we're gonna get a taste and a glimpse of that in a moment as people say yes to you. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray right now for folks who maybe said yes to you a long time ago, but they've been wandering. Somehow they lost their way that they would come home today, they would see today as their homecoming, and they would come home today and say yes again to you, that they don't have to have it all cleaned up, they don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, that's the whole point. You take us as we are and make us who you meant us to be. And so God, I pray for folks to say yes again to you, to come back home to you, and to mark this moment in the waters of baptism. And so Holy Spirit, as you're moving right now, I pray for a wave of folks to say yes to you, that the water would splash out over these tanks and over our hearts, that we would see that there is no one that's beyond redemption, no one that's beyond salvation, no one that's beyond transformation, that all of us have the invitation to say yes to you. And that's what we wanna do in this moment. So it's in your name, by your power and your presence that we pray, amen. Anyone who wants to get baptized, head right out to the back right now. Don't wait, don't delay. Balcony, I'm looking at you. Grab a friend, grab a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. Don't wait till next time. Don't wait till the next gathering. Just go right now. We wanna mark this moment with you. Do not miss this moment. Do not miss this moment to say yes to Jesus. Don't delay. We wanna see you baptized today. Jesus, we wanna see a movement of you right now. Holy Spirit, wash over this room. We pray for new life, the true life you long for us to live, Jesus. You are worthy.